I could have never laid out this plan of my life from like top model to art gallery. But because I was able to listen to those cues and not afraid to just take that first step in that action and trust the next one will present itself, I was able to have this incredible experience. You don't learn how to actually manage our bodies and our minds and how to get us out of the state of fight or flight so that we can see more clearly. And I feel like it is my life's mission and purpose to help share those tools and that playbook with people. And it's my honor to do so. Welcome to Very Beginning, a podcast where we shift the narrative from happy ending to exciting beginning. My name is Anastasia, and through conversations with inspiring entrepreneurs, athletes, influencers, and all-around trailblazers, I'm looking to explore how we can get more comfortable with change and find the courage to unlock that scary first chapter to something we've been wanting to do for far too long. So without further ado, and so it begins. Kelly, let's take it from the very beginning. Hello. I am so, so, so thrilled to be talking to you today. So first of all, thank you so much for your time. Yes, my pleasure. On this podcast, um, before we jump in and talk about what the person has accomplished, um, I really love to just take a step back and think about what impact this person had on me personally, especially if I know this person. And um, I saw you for the first time, I believe it was five years ago, um, at a New York Women's in Communication event. You were a panel speaker. Um, and after that, I reached out to you to ask if you would be open for an interview um, for a paper I was writing back then for my grad school. And you were so graciously asked today, agreed. And some of the things literally you said there, and I was just reading my paper again in preparation for today, I must say really have stuck with me um, and we'll, we'll get into it later. But um, you're just such an inspirational person with an amazing story, which is why I'm so, so thrilled to be talking to you today. So um, just to give like a super, super quick highlight reel, you started your own art gallery at the age of 18. Then you went on to America's Next Top Model, where you were in the top 10. Um, then you became an executive at a Fortune's 500 company. And now almost like full circle, you're a founder and entrepreneur again of your own uh, companies focusing on health and wellness called Astri Wellness. So incredible story. So maybe to start off, um, would you mind just telling me a little bit more about this incredible journey um, you seem to have been on and really what motivated you to try on so many different career paths? Yeah, you know, it's so funny. It really is a full circle moment that now I have Asri and I work with people and helping them find balance and tap into their intuition because so much of my journey has been really learning how to listen to myself and follow the things that really light me up and spark me. Even if sometimes it didn't even make sense. Like I think about, you know, after high school, not going right to college, everyone thought I was mad and, you know, but making the choice that really felt right for me and following my passion, which was art at the time and still is, um, to start my own gallery and being willing to kind of take chances on things that really feel aligned and trusting that you're being guided to something bigger. Because I have to say, never in a million years could I have written out the playbook for how my career and my life has gone, like TV and living internationally and starting brands, like never could I have imagined this. So I'm really grateful for learning the tools and having the confidence to be able to follow my own intuition. Such a important thing, right? Like to be able to listen to your gut 
right into like half this intuition. So I'm wondering, just because you said that, is there something that helped you to really start listening more to what feels right? And like really this deep feeling within us that I think each and every one of us have like this gut feeling and intuition. A hundred percent. And honestly, this is like the basis of Asri too. You know, everything that's something that I've been blessed has come pretty naturally to me when I was younger, but there have been times where I've been incredibly stressed and I just didn't know what the right thing to do was. I All I knew is I felt stuck where I was, was not helpful. It just was just a very constricted feeling, but had no idea what the right move to make was. And I almost felt unsure, like I couldn't trust my gut, right? And it was in those moments that I learned that we have two types of anxiety. There's like the true anxiety, which are kind of the pings that keep us connected to what's right and wrong for us, right? Like like to consider this our intuition. And then there's the avoidable anxiety, which are all of the things that help build this like chronic stress in our system. And the thing about that avoidable anxiety, a lot of it is environmental and most of it is physical. And so when you're saying not getting enough sleep, if you're not eating well in a way that keeps you, you're getting the most nutrients from your food, if you're not exercising, if you don't have mindfulness tools to help kind of alleviate the pressure of of stress in your life, if you are having hormonal imbalances, any of these things, if there's inflammation in your body, all of these things can exacerbate all of this kind of like white noise, right? This kind of avoidable anxiety. And 85% of it can be brought down through lifestyle changes, right? By eating in a way that supports you, exercising, having a mindfulness practice. And so in times where I felt like I've lost my intuition, I go back to my body and I start implementing tools and habits to really bring myself back to neutral. And in quieting those things down, I'm able to have clarity. You know, Einstein once said that you can't solve a problem from the state of which you created it. And oftentimes we find ourselves in a state of stress and we can't figure it out. It's because even our nervous system is in this state of stress. So the very first step to listening into your intuition is to really learn to listen to your body and to help nourish your body and bring yourself back to baseline, back to balance. And then from there, you have the clarity to know what's next. That's so interesting. And and you just said listening to your own body, right? And I when I was reading through that paper I wrote on you, um, we also talked a lot about listening not only to yourself, but also to other people. And there was a quote that stuck out to me um, that you said, people tell you exactly what they want and how they want it. You just have to listen. So that, I, I just thought that was so inspiring and interesting because yeah, that's true. People actually do that, right? Like, But so many of us, either don't listen correctly, not only to themselves, but also to others, or just don't know what to do, right, with what they're listening to. So I was curious, how has this mindset really guided you in your life so far? It's so interesting because it's totally evolved, right? If you look at like the beginning of my career and my journey, it was really about listening to myself and my gut. Then at Estee Lauder, I started off in global product development where my job was literally to travel to markets around the world, run focus groups, listen to people, see what they were using, and really determine what the best product would be to bring to them. And throughout my career in marketing, it's about listening to the audience, having your finger on the pulse of things. And what's really interesting now in wellness, here I am trying to 
help people learn the skill of listening, but to themselves. But what's really fascinating is in the wellness space and under this lens, how I hear people, I also not just hear what they're saying about what they want, but I also hear the ways in which they may be keeping themselves stuck. We all have kind of the things that we want and the things we believe to be true. You know, I've had clients that are like, you know, a good man is just hard to find. And so that for me, I'm like, okay, so that's kind of the limitation that you've set for yourself. And so that informs me maybe where some of the mindset work that we have to do and work through. So I listen to people even more keenly now because I also realize through how they speak and what they express defines the kind of constructs that they set from themselves in terms of what's possible for their lives. That's so beautiful. And I mean, as you said, like the art of listening, right? It is really an art. And I think like it's something probably we never can fully master. It's probably an evolving process, right? Um, so maybe just to someone who might be listening to this and thinks about, hey, I want to get better at listening to others. Is there a book you recommend or a, a practice you recommend to really start um, doing to just become a better listener? Believe it or not, it's something just as simple as just listening to your breath. Like just that was probably the first thing I started doing was adopting a mindfulness practice. So even just taking five minutes a day to close your eyes, you could place your hand on your chest or you could just sit with your feet firmly against the floor and just taking a deep breath in and feeling your ribs expand, feeling your belly rise and then slowly exhaling as your ribs come down and just really paying attention and being so in tune with your breath that at some point you realize that you're not even breathing your breath, your breath is breathing you. But that practice and done every day for even just five minutes a day brings you back into this state of awareness, this awareness of you, this ability to check in. And even now when I sometimes go into meetings where I feel myself like, million things to do. I I have this kind of place that I can come back to, to kind of call things in and open up my center of awareness. But I think where people start to lose discernment is when we have so much chronic stress because, you know, we're stuck in traffic, our boss is sending us emails, you know, we're getting, we got an argument with our boyfriend, whatever it is. It's like, I'm overloaded. We can't hear that like faint little voice inside of us. So that's where all of these wellness tools and practices and techniques to calm down and quiet all of that noise really helps us so we can hear that powerful voice within. Since you said noise, I thought it would be a perfect segment to maybe talk about um, if you would like to your time at America's Next Top Model, because when I also just look, looked at a few um, of the clips that are out there, I mean, there was a lot of noise and you had to deal with a lot of, I guess, listening in a, in a not so nice way uh, to all these toxic noise, you could say, especially from today's day and age. So just kind of would love to know how did this experience, first of all, feel back then and how would you say from where you are? now like how did this shape you and, and what did this re how did this really impact you the reason I went on top model was because I had a gallery and I'm like this is great but it's going to take me forever to make my millions no one knows about it my gallery was called um, Oswald Cleveland Gallery I named it after my dad and so I got the great idea I'm like but if I go on a tv show everyone will know about the gallery and what we sell it'll be great right and so I like stood in line I was number 783 out of like 8,000 girls and I got on and I have to say now it's an, it was an amazing thing, the best thing I could have done. And even now when I'm, you know, about to embark on something that might be a little bit scary or, you know, that's kind of out there, like, Kelly, who are you to think that you could do that? I have that amazing experience, this 
experience of being on a TV show that less than 1% of the population has done to say like, well, you know what? You did that. So if you're capable of doing that, anything is possible. And the reality is we all have something. Maybe it's not America's Next Top Model, but we all have something that we've done that was kind of outside of the odds where we've succeeded. And I think that's really special for us to have those experiences in our lives. Um, In the thick of it, Oh, what a confronting experience. I mean, there's literally an episode titled Girl That Cries in the Mirror. And <laughs> um, I can totally laugh at it now. Mm-hmm. And I have, I mean, although I did cry a lot while I was there, but, you know, even when I left, I remember my final words were, you know, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And that was something I got through. And the craziest thing to me is, is during that time, not the abuse, I, I would almost yeah. call it like a little the it abuse was. that we got, it was. Yeah. you know, <laughs> just like the torture that we kind of went through, like people got their heads shaved and like so many other Crazy. things, you know, that was totally acceptable then. And this is almost 20 years ago that I did the show. Now, fast forward during the pandemic, I believe Hulu bought the rights to the show. So a whole new generation got to watch the show. And it was such a different response. I had never gotten so much like DMs and people that were like, oh, you were amazing. Thanks for being so strong. You were so inspiring. And so maybe in some ways as before my time on the show, but honestly, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And you never know the purpose, even if something feels scary or may not be going exactly how you want, there's always a greater plan and probably even a better play than you may be able to anticipate. So the, really the only thing you can do is listen to your gut and just go on for the ride and have in your arsenal tools that can help you kind of manage your stress along the way. What an incredible experience that must have been. And and as you said, like, I'm sure the audience watching it now, it's a different time, right? Like I, I rewatched some of these clips on YouTube and I was like, how was that even okay, right? Like to say those things, to do those things, like to publicly, you know, speak about a woman in this way. I feel like today this wouldn't even be okay. So it's, it's fascinating. And I think like kudos to you that you had, first of all, the courage to go on there and you handle everything with so much grace and really taking um, from this so much experience, right? And and knowledge. So I think that's honestly just, wow, and incredible to hear. <laughs> then when you, to go chronologically, I guess, so you started your art gallery, you thought, okay, college wasn't so much for you at that time. You went to America's Next Top Model to um, see if you can get the word out about your art gallery. So when you left the show, um, what did you do next? Like, did you went back to your art gallery or how did you even then get into Estee Lauder and this whole corporate space? So after the show, so um, I think it was like one of the last episodes where Janice Dickinson's like, what does she even do? Like, why is she here? She can't take a picture. And Tara's like, well, Kelly owns an art gallery. And she's like, what? She's oh like, gosh. I think I was 19 by the time I did mm-hmm. the show. Um, and she's like, well, she can go back to her gallery. And then what was interesting is I had negotiated with the producers before I went on the show that instead of saying Kelly Jacob, you know, 19 from Manhattan, please say Kelly Jacob, 19, owner of Oswald Cleveland Gallery. And so this was back in 2004. So this was before like the Mark Zuckerbergs and like, you know, the really young entrepreneurs. So here I was 19 running a business that wasn't something that was very common back then. And fortunately, people weren't paying attention to the fact that I was not able to take a good picture, but people were more interested in how I had started my own business. And so after the show, I was invited to colleges across the country to speak about entrepreneurship and the process of starting um, a brand. 
And then I also had my gallery, actually, I was able to hire a staff of five people. And we really focused on making art accessible to millennials and a young audience. And so I actually ended up speaking at Hunter College one day. And they're like, why don't you get a degree? And I'm like, what do you mean? I like literally teach college now. Like, why would I go back? <laughs> I'm a professor now. <laughs> I like basically teach it. <laughs> They're like, well, you know, you're really young. You just never know. And I'm like, I don't know. They're like, well, we can make it easy. You can take night classes, but at least you have a degree to fall back on. And so I started taking night classes. I was like flying to LA to shoot shows on the weekend. I was running my business during the day. It was a lot. And then at some point... I remember I was like in the library and it was like really crappy and like the lights went off and I thought a rat was chasing me. I'm like, this is crazy. Why is this school like this? And I spoke up at a Senate meeting and I was just like, you know, even though it's commuter school, it can be better. There's so much that we could do with technology, like teacher evaluation should be online and all of these things. And we should renovate the library to, you know, have laptop stations or whatever. And from that little speech, I was voted as vice chair of the Senate. Wow. And during my tenure at Hunter, I helped to raise $50 million to renovate the library. Incredible. I got to work with architects to design what the library of the future would be, got teacher evaluations online. And by the time I left, I had an office in the building. And I tell you this story because that's when something shifted in me, where I always thought that I would be an entrepreneur and it was me developing things in that moment, in that context, at that school, working, collaborating with people, I realized you could do so much more as a part of something bigger than yourself. And so Estee Lauder typically recruits for their internships from like Harvard, Georgetown, Yale, but coincidentally, Evelyn Lauder went to Hunter College. Now Hunter is a city school, it's a city university. Estee Lauder then, because of that relationship, takes one Hunter student a year, and I was that student. I had no idea about the beauty industry, but I, I did the internship and I loved it. And I was fortunate enough to be hired as soon as I graduated um, into the role of global product development for Matt Cosmetics. And before we jump into your Estee Lauder chapter, you just said like you saw something that wasn't right and you spoke up. And I feel like, I mean, that's an amazing, amazing skill to have, especially when we think about like new chapters and like taking the leap. But for some people, I feel like it comes easier. For others, it's really harder. So for you, is that something that just naturally you're a person that like you see something is maybe wrong or could be better and you just speak up? Or how did you even, you know, kind of come about having the skill of using your voice and really fostering change? I never say anything with the with the attitude or with the intention of bringing things down or anyone down, my intention is always to elevate any situation that I'm in. And if I could see a way to make things better, or if I can identify something that maybe you haven't seen, it's always in the tone of service. And so I think even being a young person and seeing things, I think having that tone behind it of like, I'm really committed to helping us move forward and to be better. And I do it for myself personally, and I'm in extending this to you as well. I think that's why it's always been well received. Um, and I also don't say things for other people to do. It's like, this is what we should do. And I'm, I'm ready to roll up my sleeves and like, let's get to it. Let's, let's jump into the Estee Lauder chapter. And so you got this amazing internship and you arrived in this big corporation. And, and then what, what happened? How did this feel for you? So this is where kind of the story gets interesting because, you know, like this things that were celebrated at Hunter, the things that are celebrated and necessary as an entrepreneur, right? You see something, you say something, you do it not so celebrated in a large hierarchical corporate imagine. environment, right? <laughs> 
Well, when I came off the bat and I'm coming off, like coming from my office at school, I've raised so much money. Like I know how to do things. And they're just like, you're a coordinator. Please Sit get down. coffee. I'm like, Come on, <laughs> Sit down. And so that was very, that was challenging for me. Um, and I know me, right? Like I, I, I can't help it. My desire is to be of service. My desire is to like, if I see something, okay, then this is what we're supposed to do. I'm very much led by my gut. So one of the things that I did was while I was in grad school, and this is just really advice to anyone that might identify with being someone that's strong-willed and wants to do their best and maybe not find that they're always understood. One of the things that I did was in grad school, we all got a mentor and most people wrote, you know, I want to be really like I'm in finance, but I want to understand products. So I want a chemist or um, I'm in marketing, but I want to understand sales. I want a salesperson. I wrote, I intend to revolutionize this industry. Therefore, I need someone who has. I'll take Leonard Lauder, Fabrizio Freda or John Dempsey. That was like our president, our CEO and like our chairman. And like, gentlemen, decide amongst yourselves and stapled like two sheets of paper to it. And like, that was it. Super bold move. I may not recommend doing it exactly like that. Um, but John Dempsey's like, I like her chutzpah. Like, yes, I will be her mentor. And it's the best thing that happened. So for me, being really transparent with someone who I thought would really understand and appreciate and value kind of my perspective and my approach, but also a senior enough to help guide me that I respected, that can help kind of guide me and help me navigate through something that was a little counterintuitive was the best thing I could have done for my career. For someone who is really keen on staying in the corporate space, right? And like really wants to climb that ladder, which I mean, it's also incredible if, if you have that um, urge in you. Uh, and it is also like a new chapter, almost like a new beginning with every new role you have. What is your recommendation to really make sure you get noticed? I mean, you said be bold, speak up, but is there anything else that you would recommend, especially a young person starting off in a big corporation? Yeah, 100%. I don't know why they don't teach this, but I'm going to tell you the code, okay? Like this is what everyone should know. So they're actually, and I don't know why it's unwritten, but the reality is they're actually key things that you are supposed to be doing and doing well at each stage of your career. So for example, when you're entry level, so like a coordinator or intern, you really want to focus on mastering the hard skills. So if your job is to write the recap of every meeting, then you write the recap. It is just solely you're being evaluated on your ability to execute a task at hand, right? And those hard skills of knowing how to do it. And this is good for you, right? You want to build a really deep understanding of those hard skills and those processes. And when you show that you could do that really well, that is when people are like, okay, you're ready, right? And the next phase is going to be like the assistant manager, kind of before you're in the managerial role, but this kind of mid early stage career. And so like beyond entry level. And this is really where you really want to master this soft skills and also just conceptual thinking. So this is where you start to say, yes, I know my task, but I also am starting to demonstrate that I understand how this task relates to the bigger picture at hand. And I'm able to make decisions and I'm able to show discernment through my processes because I'm showing an understanding of things around me. When you are able at an entry level to show, I understand my task, I execute without problem with efficiency and ease and excellence. And I'm also beginning to demonstrate my ability to have those soft skills and conceptual thinking of the bigger picture. That is when they know you're ready for a promotion, right? 
when you want to start getting to that managerial phase, now it comes into play are your people skills. How are you able to collaborate? Do people like you? How are you able to execute what the department or the division's goal is in the context of collaborating with other departments or teams? So when you're in the phase of doing your conceptual thinking, you're now focusing on your soft skills, when you're really able to start integrating those people skills, then that's usually a sign that you're ready for the next phase. So the director level. Now, if you think about it, I think the difference between a managerial and a director phase is if you think about a manager as how you manage yourself in the context of others, director is how are you able to execute a vision through the, the progress and the effort of others and really inspire others to move in the direction that we need them to for the collective. So in this, it's hopefully you probably have a direct report by now. So your success is going to be determined by how you're able to motivate, support, and the success of others and build others within that team and build them up towards effectively meeting a goal, right? Um, and delegating as well. And then when you're able to show that, that's great. But what kind of prepares you for that next phase, which is this executive level, is how you're able to start thinking from an enterprise level. So how you're able to see the effectiveness and the excellence of your team and how it reports and supports the bigger objective of the enterprise. And we are starting to have conversations and pose questions and show that you're thinking in that way, that's usually an indicator that you're ready for the executive level. Well, I feel like you just like correct the code. <laughs> you, li you lifted the right? curtain. Like, I, know when, I know. I'm like, well, actually, no one taught this to me. I wish I knew this. I would have been so much more focused because I was always like, if I'm young, but yeah. I show that like, I read like, you know, I talked to the CEO. That wasn't what they needed right now. You can go so, as soon as I crack that, I swear I was getting promoted like every year. Like you have to be able to know your audience and what they need and what they're looking for. So, and I, I actually coach and mentor a lot of people with an ASRI, one to help them limit the stress, but then also how to actually navigate your career. I was literally like, as you talking, like thinking about my own like corporate experience and like every person I know and like this level and every successful person getting promoted. And I was like, Yes, that's true. Like you, you should write this down and publish. I think that will definitely be a bestseller. <laughs> You're mentoring people now with with an Astri Wellness for how to be better, a uh, better version of themselves health-wise or better at their job. So when you were in this corporate position, I mean, it sounded like an incredible job. You got to travel, you got to learn so much, you experienced so much. Was it one thing that happened that led you to this new change, a new chapter again of founding Astri Wellness or what happened exactly for you? Where I never thought I'd stay in a company for so long. I thought I was going to learn everything and go back to my entrepreneurial roots. And I, even while I was at Lauder, I feel like I was considered an entrepreneur. Like I'd started teams, I'd started departments and things like that. And towards my last position, it was very, it was a very toxic environment. Actually, the brand, I think Becca has since, since been dissolved. But I remember I was starting to experience major health issues. So I would like I had really bad acne. My digestion was going crazy. I had to get like endoscopies all the time. And I was having insomnia. I was having crazy panic attacks. Like I would break out in hives before meetings. I would like have crying spells. I just started having like weird pains. My PMS got worse. Like I would be doubled over in pain with cramps. It just felt like my body was shutting down. And every single doctor I went to said like my, you know, I went to the gastrologist and they're like, oh, 
we'll just give you an antacid. You know, I went to like a therapist, I'm like my anxiety is so bad. It's like, it's okay. We'll give you a sleeping pill and an anti-anxiety pill. Um, you know, I went to, I was having like a real pain in my foot. <laughs> I was a podiatrist. They're like, we'll give you a foot insole. And what's crazy is no one ever speaks about it. I'm like, this is just not normal. So I'm supposed to be on like antacids and antidepressants for the rest of my life. Like this just doesn't seem right. Something deep inside me knew because this isn't my nature, right? Like usually I feel good. I feel inspired. I'm like, this isn't me. Something's going on. So I made the decision. I felt like if I could just quiet the noise, I could figure out what to do and how to fix this myself. So I decided to take time off of work. I actually went to Bali for a month and I went under the care of an Ayurvedic doctor. I decided not to take any of the medications that were being prescribed. I felt like they were just like throwing water, like they they weren't really just throwing things at me to see what stuck. And while I was there, I started to integrate all of the things you read about in wellness magazines, but like don't really understand. So I started to meditate. I started to eat a plant-based diet that was really aligned with my own constitution. I started doing breath work. I started spending time in nature. I started journaling, not to mention I was in Bali. So I was away from any of those things that were stressing me. And within one month, every physical ailment that I had, that I came in, that no doctor could figure out, that everyone was stunted by, had completely gone away. Incredible. And I remember saying like, there is no amount of lipstick or moisturizer (laughs) that can make anyone look or feel as good as these lifestyle changes. Like this is, this is what the fountain of youth is. And it was in that moment but I decided, I'm like, I can't be, I can't, how could I ever sell a lipstick now? Like I'm selling beauty. You'll, you'll be happy here when I actually know the truth. And so I decided to resign. I honestly didn't really know exactly what I was going to do next. Um, and it all just kind of unfolded before me. I can only imagine that it must have felt like such a revelation. Um, I also started being vegan myself about, I think, five years ago, about the time when I think we actually met for the first time. And like when you first start noticing those health benefits, right? You like almost want to scream it out into the world and be like, wait, I know this, like, I'm feeling so much better. You should try this. And sometimes I feel like people are like, well, that's great, but like, I like my cheese or I like my steak, right? Like when we talk about being vegan. So how was it perceived by like your colleagues or friends when you really completely, I guess your mind shifts shifted. And like, I mean, here you are this ST loader, like exec, right? All in the beauty industry. And all of a sudden talking about, are you wear down all these holistic um, things that you've learned? It was so funny. So I think I mentioned, so my mentor, John, I remember I came back and like, I had my hair and braids. I was like, so like, cool. Are you? <laughs> and he's like, I just want, are you, sh- are you okay? <laughs> I was like, no, John. I was like speaking slower. Um, and he's like, I, he's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm better than I've ever been. He's like, all right, well, you know, and people just kind of accepted it. And then I actually went on my own journey. I was like, okay, what is going on here? Why did that work? And also, is it just because I was in Bali and like anyone would be happy in Bali? And so I started to study integrative health and nutrition, not with the idea of coaching, but really just to understand like, what is this? Like, okay, I know there's something here. This is my way to really help people live more balanced lives. I just don't understand it. And so I started studying integrative health and nutrition. And then I started sharing information with like what I was learning and people started reaching out for me to coach them. And I'd never thought of myself as a coach. I, you know, I've led teams, but 
that wasn't a career or something I saw for myself, but I started doing it and people started having amazing results, whether it was getting a promotion, whether it was starting a job that they thought was completely out of their realm, whether it was moving to another country, in addition to like losing tons of weight, they had people with fibroids, like they actually started to feel healed and balance their hormones. Like I'm like, Kelly, you're changing those lives. And I also started to see that a lot of times, like everyone knows you should drink water or you should you know, eat vegetables, but we don't do it. And we oftentimes get in our own way. And I tried to understand why that was. And I realized a lot would have to do with the subconscious. And so much of it was your mind. And that's when I began to study NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming and hypnotherapy and EFT. So I can really take a holistic approach. And that really is when ASRI started to take its strides. Um, and what was funny to answer your question about how my past colleagues or my former colleagues reviewed this change, my old colleagues started to come to me to start coaching them. And I actually now go into corporations and help train their staff and employees and giving them the tools to stay more balanced and aligned because I understand so deeply what the corporate experience is. And so it's all kind of come together seamlessly. And that's so beautiful, right? Like how this puzzle comes together, right? Like all your experiences from like these seemingly so different spheres and industries, from what you're telling me, it really feels like are now all coming together. So maybe just like to to briefly summarize, like you mentioned a couple of things that you do, but Astri Wellness, like what is your mission? What is your vision for the company? Just to someone who's not familiar with it. So Astri Wellness, we are really here to help particularly high performing individuals find balance both physically, mentally, and emotionally so that they can be more in, in touch with their own intuition. So we take a holistic approach. So we help with your physiology, helping to get, whether it's your hormones in balance, whether it's helping to eat better, whether it's helping establish those healthy habits that help you create a healthy baseline. And so you can help manage that avoidable stress. And all of this with the intentions that you can find balance then to make the right decisions that'll lead you on your path. And that's the bigger objective. And I think that's like the bonus point. But once people are able, most people can't say or articulate I'm out of alignment with my purpose, but what they can say for some reason, like I'm always tired. I just like don't, can't figure out what to do. Like I just, you know, I'm always bloated. I'm having this like ailment. I have such bad cramps. I get the worst PMS. I have so much anxiety. I think I'm depressed. They can articulate that, but I usually use that as a symptom. And with as we really like to get to the root of what's going on and help you find balance so that you can then go on and have the clarity to create the life that you're destined for. It was really resonated with me what you said, like that people say, oh, Oh, I have all these symptoms, but like, I, I feel so misaligned to my purpose. And so often people I speak to even say like, I don't even know what my purpose is. I just know that what I'm doing right now just doesn't feel like it's the one, right? So do you also yeah. work a lot with people who are like, I just feel stuck. I just don't know what to do. I actually have a program called Get Unstuck. So just like the logistics of things. So we do, I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. So if anyone's like in their career, or like, on any side of it, from mindset to actual professional support to really feeling stronger and feeling more intuitive. I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. We also do group coaching and all of these take a holistic approach. So we're working on your mindset, your habits, your routine, helping you get focused, your clarity, understanding your purpose and what's going on physically. And we also do corporate workshops. So I work with companies like Barclays, ISS Global, helping their employees have those tools to manage 
that stress that they're feeling so that they can feel more intuitive and not feel so overwhelmed and they have more clarity to navigate their life and go towards achieving their goals. But I will offer just while we're on it, um, I'll offer to all of your listeners, we offer a free breakthrough call. It's totally free, 30 minutes with me. Um, you don't have to buy anything, but it's really help, helping you to understand a little bit more clarity of the root of what might be going on, whether you're feeling stuck or whether you're feeling some type of emotional or physical discomfort and you can't really get to the root of it and you want to learn more, definitely reach out. You can go to asrewellnesscoaching.com. Well, thank you. I'll definitely put the just all the info in the description. So I'm sure many people will reach out, but that's so kind. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up and offering it. And um, I think what's interesting also what you said that like, you know, you help people getting unstuck and finding their purpose. And it's not even, I think, so relevant for people that want to venture out and start their own business, even in a corporate job, right? Like you can feel stuck. You cannot be at your best. And I think it's so great that there's really a trend, I think, now that corporations start to understand that like healthy and happy employees are better employees. And like you need to be inspired even in your everyday job, right? To do your best work. A hundred percent. I'm so glad. Like actually uh, chief wellness officers are growing position at some of the biggest companies like Deloitte. And it's such an investment and it goes to retention. Also since the pandemic, anxiety cases, according to the World Health Organization, have increased by 25%. There's so many people suffering and feeling just uncomfortable with where they are without any of the tools. You know, we don't learn how to actually manage our bodies and our minds and have balance, how to get ourselves, how to regulate our nervous system, how to get us out of the state or fight or flight so that we can see more clearly. And I think that's a shame. And I feel like it is my life's mission and purpose to help share those tools and that playbook with people. And it's my honor to do so. That's so beautiful. So before we come to the end, um, I have this little segment that I do with every guest called The Final Three. Um, basically, just meant to be like three key takeaways um, that people can really um, listen to at the end of the episode. So the first question would be, um, what helped you go from idea of wanting to start Astro Wellness to actually doing it? The Really, the first step was bringing down the noise, right? Like taking care of my physical body and making sure that I was in a balanced place. So that meant, you know, make sure that I'm eating, lowering my inflammation, making sure that I'm exercising, making sure that I'm hydrated, making sure that I'm managing any stress, making sure that I am working from a balanced state. Once that was set, then what's amazing is once you get to that set, right? And you're in this space where you're balanced, when you're aligned, where you're feeling grounded, where you're feeling clear, then you find that you start just getting inspiration. You start getting these pings of actions to take. You know, it kind of brings me back to the beginning of our conversation. I could have never laid out this plan of my life from like top model to art gallery. Never. I am just not that creative. But because I was in a very good state and I was able to listen to those cues and not afraid to just take that first step in that action and trust the next one will present itself. I was able to have this incredible experience. So yeah, so get in balance, work on grounding yourself, get support if you need it, because like I said, no one's taught these things and then be brave enough to take that first step. Yeah. And what you said, I think the very first thing you said about like bring yourself a balance, I think that goes back to like the old known thing about like in a plane, right? Like if the air pressure is dropping, put your own mask on first, right? Because yes, you can't help exactly. others if your cup isn't full. So I think that is just such an important lesson and learning to really be uh, aware of and no matter what you do in your life, right? 
Um, exactly. Awesome. So question number two, um, what was your biggest fear when you left your executive corporate job and embarked on this new journey? And also, did it come true? You know what's interesting about fear? Whenever there's something that you fear, there's an action you need to take, but you're like afraid to do it. I don't think what people fail to realize is that the thing you fear most about happening, if you take that action, you are actually already living it. Let me give you an example. So if I want to be in a relationship, but I'm afraid to like go up to someone because I'll be rejected. And if I'm rejected, I'll be alone. It's like, guess what? You're already alone. The thing you're most afraid of, you already are. So what do you have to lose? So the action is actually the thing that will keep you there. Now, in the case of me leaving Estee Lauder and going, my biggest fear was staying stuck in a place that did not serve me and feel aligned. So me not taking action would actually guarantee that I would just stay where I was. So for me, it felt like I had no choice but to do that. But even now when I'm afraid to do something, like I'm actually shy, I don't like to go online and stuff like that. I think I was traumatized by top model. It's like, what are you afraid of? People will reject me and I want clients. Like, well, if you don't do anything, like how people know what you're doing? So I think I just leave that with anyone that's afraid to do something. When you find yourself fearful to take action, realize that the thing that you fear the most, you're already there. That's where you're coming from. So take the action. And I think so many people like, and, and myself included, like aren't even fully aware of it. Like I went through this when I was kind of thinking of starting this podcast. I was like, oh, that's so scary. What will people think, right? But then, you know, especially now you're saying it, it was like, well, but I was already kind of being in like this fearful state and like of you have this idea, but you just like don't want to do it. And you feel like stuck and unhappy and something is missing. So you're already not at your best, right? Like you're already not in a best place. So the worst thing that can happen is what? You'll try something out and maybe it wasn't for you. Well, that's not really bad, right? It's just a new learning. So I think that's so important to really remind yourself. And I would also add to that too, you know, it's really hard to do some of these things on your own. Like this is a lot of this is counterintuitive. Like, you know, it was very hard for me to say I'm leaving Lauder while I was at Lauder with everyone like saying, no, but this is the right way. So I think when you feel yourself being shift, like finding yourself shifting or you want something else for yourself, this is where having a mentor, having a coach, or just having a group or community that's in alignment with where you want to be, that can hold space for you for that. And you can kind of really express and work through those things become so important. Otherwise, it kind of feels like you're trudging through mud and you're feeling like you're getting a lot of resistance. So that is really important. Like that's what happened to me at Estee Lauder, right? I had my mentor, John Dempsey, who saw me and like supported, encouraged me in that kind of way. And so I think that's it from why I want to be a coach is almost like paying it forward. So find people that you can, that can support you in becoming this kind of next step and best version of yourself. And I guess perfect segment into the final question then, like kind of you learning that in this entire journey, probably the journey of, of your entire life and career, what would you say if you would have to pick one? What was your greatest learning so far? My greatest learning is how everything is connected and how really developing a practice of really taking care of yourself. We all have this deep intuition. There's like a dharma. There's like a destiny that you can't even begin to fathom that is so outside of everything and so much bigger than everything you could possibly imagine for yourself. And when you start doing the work of taking care of yourself and you start taking this brave aligned action, it opens up an expansive world of possibilities. And it's so funny because I've done it in my past and I've experienced it. 
And now I've seen it and I feel really honored that I could teach people the way to their own path as well. Well, Kelly, thank you so, so much. I, I loved our conversation. I could chat on for many, many hours, but I want to be respectful of your time. So thank you for your story, for your honesty, for your vulnerability. I really, really loved having you on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was such a delight. It's so good to see you again. Thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your evening. <laughs>